Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, a game day today for the Winnipeg Jets and a very big day for the Winnipeg Jets organization as later on this afternoon we will hear from Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Shovel-Dayoff and chairman Mark Chipman speak publicly for the first time since the general block report was released on the investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks cover-up of the Kyle Beach incident from 2010. I've uh, got a big show today. Of course, we do have the Jets and the Dallas Stars playing tonight at Canada Life Center. Uh, Javin Spittle covering the Dallas Stars is going to join us. Looking forward to that. Find out a little bit more about the um, division rivals that we haven't seen in a couple years here in Winnipeg. That's coming up first. And then Steve Simmons uh, from Post Media. Looking forward to speaking with Cy, one of the uh, most experienced journalists in the game. Get his thoughts on everything that we've learned coming out of the report last week, how it's been handled by the National Hockey League, Kevin Sheveldayoff's situation, as well as some stories outside of um, that burning topic that has really dominated conversations in and around Winnipeg for the last number of days and really the entire hockey world. Great to have you all with us. Shout out to everyone that's with us on YouTube, those of you listening on the podcast, and a big thanks to all of our family of spotters and uh, sponsors, including Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner over at CoolBet Canada. Speaking of CoolBet, Dustin Nielsen and I just finished another edition of The Lock Shop. Talking a little hockey for tonight as well as CFL coming up this weekend and Thursday Night Football in the National Football League and a little golf. You can get that on all your favorite podcast uh, platforms. Just search Lock Shop. Let's get Remus in here as we get things going for the afternoon on WST. Remo, how are you doing? What's up? Um, I, you know, I should mention, speaking of which, I know many of you are with us live on YouTube. <clears throat> and for the YouTube crew, we will come back live at 4 o'clock for today's press conference. Um, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it and chop it up, but I did figure that there's a lot of people that come to this channel on a daily basis for the latest goings-on. Um, this is still a huge story that's happening, so we did want to make it available to uh, everyone that um, follows us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. So we will come back on at 4 p.m. today. And, um, you know, we'll just basically play it for you live. Um, you know, maybe have a small bit of reaction. I think the majority of the reaction will be on the program tomorrow, uh, which will be a big one. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us, and as well as Murata Tesh from The Athletic. And, you know, for most of the point, I mean, we've spent so much time talking about this. Um, you know, I think we'll, you know, for the most part, kind of get into the Jets and the Stars and what's going on with the hockey club today. Uh, but make no mistake about it, this is the huge story. And we knew that yesterday, um, you know, due to Mark Chipman's um, health condition, that they weren't able to make it happen. They did want to get it done as soon as possible, and I think preferably before tonight's hockey game. So it will happen today at 4 p.m. So if you're with us on YouTube, We'll end the program, you know, in and around our normal time, but we'll be back an hour later. Um, and if you're unable to catch it live, you can always come back to Winnipeg Sports Talk and hear it all. And then uh, tomorrow we'll have some great guests uh, that will be um, will be joining us to uh, give us their thoughts on it. And you're always welcome to do it with us on all of our social media channels and, of course, in the uh, chat. 
that is uh, popping as always today on uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, moving on from that, Remo, as we will spend uh, quite a bit of time talking about that later on on the show. Um, interesting game tonight. Jets coming back to start a seven-game homestand and doing it without Connor Hellebuck. Uh, but for all good reasons, uh, big congratulations to Connor and Andrea. They have welcomed in a healthy baby boy by all accounts. So a huge moment for uh, he and his better half. Now parents for the first time. And uh, that means Eric Connery's going to get another start. And Mikhail Burden gets an emergency recall to the Winnipeg Jets. But with that comes Christian Veselainen's assignment to the Manitoba Moose. I imagine this is just going to be for the for this one game. He was a player that was not waiver. He was waivers exempt. So no worries on losing a player. Um, and that means the Winnipeg Jets are going 11 and seven today. And we kind of understood on the road trip that, you know, 11 and seven was more a necessity because of the cap issues with the players that were out. Shifley and Wheeler are back though. And uh, the coaches we'll hear from a little bit later on sticking with 11 and seven and uh, keeping Nate Bull, you in that lineup tonight. Yes, I'm back and I'm working. I, people couldn't hear me before. Uh, wasn't anything I did. I, I blame windows. For that, I had to unplug everything yesterday. It was doing some upgrades, and I guess I didn't select my microphone in my broadcaster. But yeah, I was surprised to see 11 and 7 Husser still going. I'm not really sure uh, what the reason would be. I got it before. Okay, you have cap issues, but Palmer said it's not a long term solution. So why, why are you doing it now? I mean, from my experience playing pretty low level hockey, when you have an odd number of dudes on your team it's not fun you're playing with different guys especially if you got seven defense um so i'm i'm not sure what the uh what the plan here is why they're doing this but we've talked about it we're getting on like get get a bus out man i need to get my like son's bus go it across the screen <laughs> with gus on with, it with david gustafson on it uh we got to get on the gus bus i think he <clears throat> seems to be the guy riley nash a uh, healthy scratch he was working with Toninato, Harkins, Veselainen, you know, as the four guys rotating in yesterday. But, you know, we woke up this morning, Veselainen sent down. He seems to be the odd odd guy out because he's got a two-way entry-level deal. Call up Burden to back up. But you signed Nash in the offseason. I mean, it hasn't really worked out the way they thought. I mean, he did get some... He was good enough to play on Power Play 1 uh, a couple weeks ago. Now he's not good enough to make the lineup where they're going with Nathan bully you as a seventh defenseman instead so uh, it's a tough look for nash there's no doubt about it but listen before people freak out and you were well you weren't freaking out but i mean before we were coming on the air you're mentioning hey you know signing veteran players to one-year deals for the league minimum is literally the lowest risk signing that you have and when you've got this much you know into other players um, you know, you have to make those decisions and, you know, you're, you're signing a few guys and listen, the Riley Nash just, I mean, he hasn't been so far, at least I think what the Winnipeg Jets were hoping to get. I mean, when you're bringing in Paul Maurice talks about roles all the time. Um, well, the role of these fourth liners is to be able to contribute in some other ways. And yes, I realized that he was on the power play. That was a very much a stopgap, but he was expected to contribute on the penalty kill. Um, and he hasn't been. The penalty killing numbers have been brutal, um, and they've been working in a number of other players. So if he's not contributing in those ways, I, I think basically this comes down to Paul Maurice saying, I think that Nate Beaulieu at four or five or six minutes a game playing a few penalty kill shifts 
is giving me more than what Riley Nash is right now. Um, now, you know, it's a difficult situation for Harkins, excuse me, and Toninato. They're going to be left, you know, without really knowing who they're going to play. The one positive, though, I did like from early on in the 11-7 experiment, Reem, was the op- opportunity for Maurice to get Nikolai Ehlers out there for a few extra shifts and Kyle Connor out there for a few extra shifts. And we did see that early on in the West Coast road trip. And I imagine that will be the case tonight. Although, as we'll hear from the coach later on, he certainly also left it open that potentially he might be able to get Wheeler and Shifley a few more shifts um, as the as those two are in a very unfamiliar spot being ostensibly, if you want to call it, third liners um, with Adam Lowry moving over onto the left side. Now, I say third line, um, all of that's subject to change. Let's check the ice time at the end of the game. But it was pretty clear that with the way that the Dubois-Connor line was running and uh, Ehlers and the way he's been driving a line with Kopp and Stastny, that it did give Paul Maurice an opportunity not just to throw 55 and 26 right back into the top line, run about 22 minutes a game. Um, that's not the way things are coming back with them coming in. And I think there's a lot of Jet fans that have a lot of time for that. I will say this. I'm very intrigued as to how that top nine runs, how Maurice deploys it, and how all of those lines look now with Shifley and Wheeler back in the mix after quite a bit of team success without those players in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. I do think that would be a, a bonus of this uh, eleven and seven that you're going to play uh, your top guys more. Like Paul Maurice doesn't use the fourth line, anyways, uh, as we've seen in the past. So we might as well get more Ealers. You know, throw in, um, you know, Shafley or Connor. Uh, you know, we're talking about the lines. I really am intrigued about um, today's lines, and I did post them on our. Facebook page, I can bring them up right here. Um, you know, I like how they're doing this. You know, you're going with the pairs. You have uh, Dubois, Connor, Cop uh, Ehlers, and Shifley Wheeler, and then you're kind of figuring out who that third guy is in each one. I like, uh, you know, Connor and Dubois. I mean, those guys have been good. Why would you break them up? Stasny, Cop Ehlers have been good. Keep them together. And Shifley and Wheeler back from COVID, and, you know, they're they're the guys who are always um, together, but usually with Connor, but it'll be with Lowry. So, I mean, which line is going to be the first line? Um, you know, I have Shifley, Wheeler, Lowry listed as the third line here down the list. Mark Shalafiti will tell you he's the first line. So, uh, yeah, I but think, he also has never worn the blue jersey since uh, yeah. nine years ago with uh, <laughs> Matt Halischuk. And Matt Halischuk and was a pro leak. So we'll we'll <laughs> yeah. see we'll see how it how it goes. I don't think this is a long term thing. I I agree with you, Gustafson. Bring bring the guy up. He's leading the moose in points. You know you've got you drafted him to be this defensive style center. Let's see what the guy can do. But uh, here are the lines. I know people in chat have been uh, chiming in. Added. We're getting direct messages from people. What is going on here with this 11, 11 and 7? And um, I guess we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it plays out. Do we have any any takes us? Uh, Hellbuck, he should play tonight. I don't care that he had a had a kid. We're not doing we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> well, I never did that before at any point. No, obviously. <laughs> I, I'll say this though. If all of a sudden Hellebuck knew that the baby was healthy and mom was resting and decided he wanted to show up and play tonight. Um, I'd be here for it. I mean, Connor Hellebuck with the baby swag going oh, in. Oh, I never thought I about mean, that. I mean, listen, I would take visiting total under 0.5 goals. 
I would just assume that nothing was going to get past him as he got that extra boost. Um, hey, it's an incredibly exciting time for a young man and uh, mm-hmm. his uh, better half and, you know, bringing a baby in. Uh, you would know all about that, Remo, as mm-hmm. a young father. So yes. uh, I think it's cool that they're giving him uh, him the time that he needs um, to be with uh, to be with Andrea and the new Hellebuck. Uh, and presumably get back into that at some point on the weekend. What is interesting about this, Reem, is that it's back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was originally looking at this schedule, I'm thinking, like, did they go, let's just assume that the baby was already born or the baby wasn't an issue, and Hellebuck was ready to go tonight. And then you've got the two games back-to-back. I mean, do you run Hellebuck in in Friday, uh, Friday night against the Chicago Blackhawks, who just won their first game of the season. It is a divisional game. Or would that game potentially be the spot for Eric Comrie? And then you have Hellebuck going up against the New York Islanders in the next game. Um, you know, I, tradition would tell you that your number one goes in the first game. You try and get that. And, you know, sometimes that's a tough spot for the backup going in the second. Uh, but now Eric Comrie's got a chance to, uh, to you know, go out, get another start under his belt. Um, his first one at home. And... Then I think, you know, if he can have a strong game, I think that puts him in a real good situation, you know, with the confidence of the team and the head coach and maybe even a few of you fans uh, before getting back into the net in one of the two games on the weekend. Connor Hellebuck played a lot at the beginning of the season, but I think part of that ream was the fact that they knew that this day was coming. There might be an additional game or two that Connor Hellebuck would have to miss. Um, So Comrie got his first start last weekend against the Los Angeles Kings. And now he gets uh, his first home start against the Dallas Stars. Uh, and a Stars team that, as we'll talk with Gavin Spittle coming up, uh, having a heck of a time putting points on the board and scoring goals. I mean, they're pretty good defensive team. But, you know, for a team that we've always remember having these elite, high-talent forwards, uh, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, that's not happening right now for Dallas. And, um, you know, for Winnipeg's standpoint, they're going to need to earn their goals but I think that they play well defensively. It'll give Eric Comrie a pretty good chance to get a win. Yeah, I, I gotta be be real. As someone who who did take an extended leave after my uh, child was born, uh, full support. Two year of, Matt of, leave. Hellebuck wasn't wasn't two years, but uh, close. It did time out well with uh, with the pandemic. Uh, that actually was was great for me. But, all of us getting fired. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> was, was, I think it's like the technical term is laid off. Sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> but but um, I think it's great that they're giving him, you know, take a couple days. The timing works out pretty well. I mean, there's a game today and then the next game. I would think he'll play Saturday. I think Friday uh, against Chicago. They haven't been great this season. I know they won the other day uh, with Patrick Kane getting a hat trick. He's fresh off the COVID list himself. Um, so you can come back off the COVID list, Huss, and, and get a hat trick in your first game. Just It's been done by Patrick Kane yesterday. No, not setting the bar for Mark Shifley tonight or or anything at all. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll have, you know, tonight off and then again off. Uh, and then, you know, Friday, I think Comrie again, and then Saturday he'll play. So I think this works out perfect for the Hellbucks. And maybe I wonder if we're going to be asking him, okay, uh, Connor, how are you feeling? Are you sleeping? Or are there going to be a lot of questions about oh. his sleep schedule? This week, you know how important I sleep is for an I can't believe I thought about this last night. And again, I, yeah. I, not being a parent, mm-hmm. but knowing, you know, what you've 
kind of been dealing with, although I'm not really too sure how much you do around. I think Leah does most I do, of the heavy hey, lifting. I do um, heavy lifting. I do. I did a lot. I was alone. Kidding. I was alone for a long, for a long time. Uh, At with, least 90 minutes with the kid once. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm just, I'm just joking. But uh, for Hellbuck, I was thinking <laughs> no, I about know, how, mat- how meticulous he is about everything in his preparation. Yeah. And like, are we, uh, are we, is he going to be able to get a good night's sleep? I mean, what's the, what's the sleeping arrangement going to be going forward mm. with this newborn? How are we handling this? Will he be more effective on the road than he will be at home mm. for the rest of the season? These are all things to consider. Hey, listen, he's uh, we're having a little bit of fun with it. Um, it's an exciting time for him, and um, he's always been a guy that the Winnipeg Jets can count on. I don't think that'll be any different when he comes back in. But for tonight against the Dallas Stars to start off this seven-game homestand, it won't be 37 in the net. It'll be number one. And, of course, Mikhail Burden with his um, first skate as a Winnipeg Jet, albeit not getting the starting spot just down the hallway from the Manitoba Moose. And if you're just popping in, you're wondering, why aren't we talking about Christian Veselainen? Well, Veselainen was the... uh, Odd man out due to numbers. Don't take anything from this with Veselin and being sent to the Manitoba Moose today. We'll hear from Maurice later on. This is presumably a numbers. They need to bring Burden up. Veselin and the one player on the roster that is waivers exempt that they could throw to uh, the Moose um, and call back without any worry about him being claimed. So that's the way that it is. Tough scene for, for Veselin and uh, but presumably he'll be back for the weekend as soon as Connor Hellebuck will be back in the mix. Um, so that's the way things are looking. Uh, if you missed our conversation yesterday, and Remo, I know this is something that you were quite interested in, um, the power play is going to look quite a bit different. Um, Shifley and Wheeler are back. They'll be on a power play unit with Nate Schmidt, with Josh Morrissey, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And something that you said to me many times on this program, as well as off the air, you would love to see more of Ehlers and Mm -hmm. Connor together on a power play unit. We're going to get exactly that. Neil Pionk, Ehlers, Connor, Kopp, and Stastny. And to be honest, if I'm Paul Maurice and uh, all things are equal, I think that might be the unit that I'm throwing out first, to be honest, on the power play. I'm not the coach. But there, we're going to have two relatively even units that I think will be, uh, you know, in a lot of ways competing for that first opportunity over the boards when they do have a five-on-four power play. Yeah, that's a good question. I said this, you know, for a while. Um, put Ehlers and Connor together on the on the power play. I was watching Ehlers dish uh, one-timers. Josh Morrissey. I'm like, wouldn't it be way better for him if uh, Kyle Connor was getting those one-timers? No offense to Josh Morrissey, who seems to have developed more of a shot. Um, this year, and that has uh, well-rounded his game more. But I, I think they've looked good. You know, you have Ehlers uh, shooting. I like how he goes in, did, gives the dish to Pionk, you know, the, the back pass. Pionk goes to Connor. Uh, I think it's it's worked. So, you know, I think those are the first guys. Uh, give them, you know, give them a minute or a minute 20. I don't know. They, maybe they'll see more balanced power play. I know in the past, you know, Connor Shafley Wheeler would go out, get like, get like two minutes and then the second unit would come out but I mean last year the Ehlers unit while getting less ice time uh, was more efficient in their scoring so uh, I think I think you have two pretty even units now and and we'll have to wait and see how it works but I like seeing a more more Ehlers uh, and Connor together and I think Pionk's worked and you do have um, Dubois sorry sorry Cop uh, and, and Stasny um, in there as well. And, you know, Andrew Kopp has been finishing really well, showing off his his great hands, just been a really nice player this year. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the funniest thing, and we've talked, it's been a common theme. And I think it was, was it Todd that just mentioned in chat that I think, yeah. you know, Comrie, if he plays well. Yeah, Todd Wesley. I think fans are going to cheer their asses off for yes. Comrie tonight if he has a good game. I absolutely think that'll be the case. I mean, he's a very, very easy guy to cheer for. And even though many of you said that, you know, he's not good enough, this is going to be going to kill the Winnipeg Jets, I think most people are willing to give the guy a chance. Um, and in his first chance against the LA Kings last week, he played very well, came up huge in the third period, and they were able to get a win. So again, it's all about results. If he has a terrible game, people are going to be on him. Uh, but if he does step up, we'll serve some crow in the chat here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and move on to the next game. Um, but listen, we're going to move on from the Jets and talk about the visitors in just a second. Before we do that, I want to thank Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk as one of our newest sponsors. Culligan Water, of course, the water experts in Winnipeg, celebrating 65 years and family-owned all of this time. You can see them over at 1200 Sargent or give them a call at 694-5180 and find out about uh, water softeners, filters, whole home systems, drinking water systems, bottled water coolers, and bottled free coolers, not to mention water delivery services citywide. And if you and your business um, need water services, they've got commercial and industrial water products and solutions for businesses of all sizes. Hit them up online and find out more on what Culligan can do for you at drinkculligan.com or as I mentioned, visit Culligan Water over at 1200 Sargent Avenue. Um, you are into November. It's getting cold and uh, the guys at Manitoba Battery are rocking right now, getting ready for winter. Be proactive. Don't be that guy that waits till it's minus 35 and your car breaking down to realize that you need a new battery. And uh, listen, Manitoba Battery is going to save you money, even as opposed to going to the big box stores like Costco. Best prices in town, $89.50 with Core Exchange. If you pop down to see them on Logan Avenue, and they'll take it to you as well. Delivered anywhere within city limits, $109.50. And a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. So go and see Donnie, the maestro, the godfather, all the guys down at Manitoba Battery for your automotive and anything else that needs a battery. You can find out more on everything they've got over at manitobabattery.com. Uh, Royal Sports will be the place to be coming up this week. Very busy sports week with the Jets back at home for seven games. And of course, the Bombers with their final home game on Saturday night. Yes, I know the games are at the same time. We spent a lot of time talking about that. However, whether you're going to the Bombers, whether you're going to the Jets, hit Royal Sports beforehand and get everything you need when it comes to your fan gear, uh, the reverse retro jerseys, heritage jerseys, and more. Pretty much everything you can imagine when it comes to having a Jet logo on it, they've got it at Royal. And an incredible selection of Blue Bomber merchandise. But it's not just our local teams. NFL, CFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, the biggest selection in town not to mention a multi-million dollar hockey inventory and the snowboard gear ready for winter as well. They had the big snowboard sale last week, but it's all there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and still a few of those limited edition Blake Wheeler custom hats with all proceeds going to Cancer Care Manitoba. Pop on down. Big thanks to Royal Sports. 
been with your boys on Winnipeg Sports since day one. All right, we will get to Steve Simmons a little bit later on the program. Uh, but right now, let's find out more about the visiting Dallas Stars who haven't been here to Winnipeg for a couple of years. And it's great to welcome Gavin Spittle back to our new home for the first time. I had some great chats on the old station, and uh, now we welcome him in to Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's going on, Gavin? Thanks so much for Thank doing you, this. My friend. It's awesome. 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 Yeah, everything's going uh, great. Uh, you know, decent weather out here in DFW. Uh, ready to uh, drop the puck tonight. Yeah, no doubt. Got a big game. Hey, just before we get into this, uh, this Chicago story is kind of taken over the hockey world right now, and it hits very close to home. We'll hear from Kevin Shoveldayoff off this afternoon before the game. Just wondering, in you know, one of the non-traditional hockey markets, if you will, in Dallas, um, how much run has this Blackhawks saga been getting? And uh, is it topical amongst Stars fans in the hockey community down there? Yeah, it, it is. In fact, uh, I do a podcast with uh, Craig Ludwig, a longtime Dallas star, Montreal Canadian. And uh, he said on our podcast this week that um, if his name stays on the cup, I want my name taken off the cup. That's how serious it is. So I think within the hockey community, um, obviously taken seriously, uh, you know, as I think Craig put it best, and I agree, uh, disgusting. We don't need it in the game. Um, and, uh, he has by coming out and coming forward, he has saved so many generations of people similar to the USA gymnastics, um, that came out and so many of our other, and I, I label them as heroes because it takes so much guts to put yourself in front of a camera and say, this happened to me. Um, that takes guts, that takes courage. Um, you're basically putting your career on the line um, because people don't want to get near you. So it, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and I, I think, you know, all praise uh, to him. Praise, I think the NHL has handled it uh, very well as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely a topic of uh, conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly here in this afternoon when we hear from Kevin Shoveldayoff and Mark Chipman, that is going to be a story far beyond the perimeter here in Winnipeg. But we do have a hockey game we want to talk about. And it's sort of a weird gap. You know, we had the uh, the Wild uh, road game against the Wild and the Preds came into town for one of the Jets have only played two home games so far this year. And especially the game in Minnesota, you sort of felt like, okay, we're back in the Central Division because, um, you know, heck, Stars had that incredible playoff run, and I see Joel Kivaranta. I mean, I, all I can remember of him is, is, you know, the hat-trick hero in the bubble. And then last year, you know, we're in the Canadian Division. It's so strange. Coming back, there's many familiar faces in the Dallas Stars, but uh, how similar is this squad that'll be here in downtown Winnipeg tonight to, uh, you know, the team we saw early on two seasons ago before everything shut down? I think it's extremely similar, um, and I think that might be one of the issues that they're facing right now. <laughs> that they truly have not. So the Dallas Stars, basically, to break them down is is like a roller coaster ride, you know, and I believe – and, you know, Stars fans get mad at me at this, but I don't believe the Stanley Cup run was the norm. I thought it was an anomaly. And they, they got hot, and kudos to them. They were inside the bubble, but they haven't played good hockey since. Um, and last year, yeah, you can say that there was a snowstorm in Dallas, and they got hit with COVID. And, you know, so that kind of threw them off. But, you know, I think Stars fans are s slowly getting tired of the excuses and this year is basically a carryover from last year. Same thing. Yeah, you did pick up Ryan Suter, but 
your offense is still really bad. And, you know, defensively, it seems as though the early, you know, or the loss of Alexiak um, has had its effects early. So, you know, there's that. So I, I think, you know, there are similar names, but they're not the same. Like tonight, this morning skate in Winnipeg, we featured Ben Sagan and Radulov. Now, if I threw that line at you two, three years ago, you'd say, you know what? We got the, the key to beating the stars tonight mm-hmm. is Ben Sagan and Radulov shut them down. Well, I will tell you, that's the worst line of the Dallas Stars right now. And for some reason, they keep throwing them together, hoping that they'll bring back what they had three years ago. Well, it's amazing when you say that because, I mean, you know, everything that happens in the National Hockey League right now, Gavin, is done, you know, under the cloud of the salary cap. And I'm just pulling this up. I mean, Tyler Sagan's making a smidge under $10 million a year. Yeah. Jamie Benn is making $9.5 million a year. Radulov's making over six a year. I mean, you've essentially got $25 million, about 30% of the cap tied up in one line. Yeah. And if those guys aren't getting it done, that's a major, major issue for the organization and Rick Bonus. Absolutely. And I will tell you, Andrew, after eight games, eight points. That's not eight points for one of them. That's eight points combined. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's what we're facing here. A ton of salary cap. Put into these players, and you're right, Pavelski's off to a slow start. He only has three points. They're just not an offensive juggernaut. They have the names, but when you look at the final scores, they're not pouring in the goals. And, I mean, defense can only get you so far, and they're based, you know, or the identity is supposedly uh, a defensive-minded team. But, you know, you look at Anton Hudobin, who had that amazing, run that got them to the Stanley Cup based on Ben Bishop's injury well he's now the backup you know so they signed him to a multi-year deal good money and he's not even playing anymore and they brought in Braden Holtby and Braden Holtby has played exceptionally well compared to how he played in Vancouver last year yeah I mean the Holtby story I mean that's one of the uh you know listen when you're not getting value with your big contracts you better be making something happen with your value deals and it seems like that's happening with but just before we move on from from the top guys um was it Gagliardi or was it the president that aired those dudes out a couple years ago publicly it it yeah that that was uh that was Jim Lights. Jim Light. That's right. That's the name I was trying to remember. Yes. I mean, that was a very I mean, listen, that never happens in the National Hockey League. And maybe they were trying to both light a fire. I mean, I could see how maybe players could get a little bit more comfortable in Dallas. Everyone's worrying about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, especially early on in the season. And it sucks up a lot of the sports oxygen. Um, but I would imagine that the organization, looking at what's happened early on in this season, probably feeling pretty similar as a couple years ago when they realized if we're going to do anything, we need more from Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn at the top of the list. Yeah. Because you've invested so much in the salary cap in those players, it's now you don't have time to wait. Now they brought up Thomas Harley, who was, you know, one of their top prospects and he'll likely get the nod tonight on the ice. But uh, you know, at the same time, this is basically a veteran team. And if your vets aren't getting it done, you know, the flip side is say you bounce bonus after, say you lose in Winnipeg, you lose in Calgary and you lose in Vancouver, or you don't play well and the struggles continue. 
who do you bring in? Just another coach? Because the stars have gone through multiple coaches as well. So at some point, you have to look at the players. The problem with the players is Ben, Sagan, no movement clauses. So you need to get their permission to move them. Do they really want to move out of Dallas? And are they want to, do they want to go to someplace else? So, you know, you're looking at players that are on the declining years, but are still being paid as marquee players. The hope for me is that you can turn a Jamie Ben into a Dustin Brown like player in LA and get that second spark and, and maybe move him down to a third line because an angry Jamie Ben on the ice is a very good checker can force turnovers, but we're not seeing that yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, Tyler Sagan, um, this has sort of been something that, you know, he's dealt with for his entire career. I mean, when he is on, when he's playing at a 10 level for Tyler Sagan, he's as dangerous as a player as there is in the National Hockey League. I guess the problem for Dallas is that uh, those days are few and far in between, and there's far more days where you know they don't seem to be as engaged or as committed to doing those things. And the bottom line, and you nailed it, I mean, these guys are paid to score goals. Um, you know, they're not going to be put out to be grinders. They're not going to be a checking line. If they are not doing anything offensively, um, it sucks the life out of your hockey club. Yeah, I think I think that's the other thing, too. I mean, you're looking at a young player like Dennis Gurionov possibly getting the healthy scratch. And Rick Bonus said this morning after the pregame skate, you know, I need Dennis Gurionov to play better um, full hockey five on five. And, you know, my counter to that is, OK, are you going to bench one of your big guys then? Because I don't see them playing two way hockey five on five. So, I, I, you know, it, it's a, it's an interesting time, um, you know, in in Stars Nation. And uh, you're right. Sagan is coming off a major injury. Uh, so maybe it will take more time. I just question what the identity, this is what I talk about on my podcast with Craig. What is the identity of this team? Because when I watch the Winnipeg Jets tonight, I'm looking at a grinding team. I'm looking at, you know, a very smart player in Shifley. I'm looking at Blake Wheeler. Uh, he's not playing tonight, but I'm looking at outstanding goaltending in, in Hellebuck. I'm looking at a very good defenseman who we used to have in Brendan Dillon who can rough you up. I know those. But when I look at the Dallas Stars, I'm like, OK, what is Jamie Ben? What is Tyler Sagan? You know, who are these players and what is the style you're playing? Are you going to play defensive hockey? Or are you looking for offensive hockey? Are you deep on the forecheck? Like none of those things and their power play just is there and the whole goal of the power play is to get the puck to Tyler Sagan but the the reality is he's not Alexander Ovechkin on that one time it's funny you bring this up because there are some similarities to conversations we've had in Winnipeg and again it's very different because right now I mean the stars just aren't getting any production so to speak from guys that are paid incredibly well to do exactly that um, but here, I mean, tonight we're going to see Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler both come back. Wheeler came back last game, but they were out with COVID. And for the first time in seemingly forever, they're not going to be in those top two lines. Now, ask me in the second period how things look. It could be very different. But at least right now, Adam Lowry's moving over to that side. And, you know, part of it is that players like Dubois and Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers really stepped up in the spots they were and the players they were in the absence of that. And, and I think Maurice is looking at trying to get, you know, a bit of a more even mix. But in the past, it's always been Connor, Shifley, Wheeler. They go back heavy minutes and it's been at the expense of some other players. They've done a lot offensively, but there's been a lot coming back the other way. For Dallas, when I look at that, that that's always been Ben Sagan and Radulov. 
Now, you know, looking at, you know, the lines and watching some of the games so far, certainly from the production, as far as it seems like the trust of Rick Bonus, those guys aren't the number one option anymore. And we've seen sort of rupee hints develop into a leader. Joe Pavelski, I mean, very effective, as well as Jason Robertson. I mean, are those the go-to guys now for Rick Bonus? Is that the number one line? And are those the guys that the coach will be leaning on if this is a close game in the third period? Yeah, that's your number one line right now. And, you know, the the, the problem is, is that they continue going back to that Ben Sagan Radulov in key in key moments. And, you know, I personally feel as all three are better when they're separated at this point in their career, especially if they get, you know, paired with a younger guy um, that can develop some energy on the ice. I think that's the other thing that's been the problem overall with this stars team is, is that where's the energy, you know, where are you coming from? You know, for instance, you got a guy like Ryan Suter, uh, you know, he might not have the full tank he once did. However, I bet that slap shot is still pretty darn good. Why aren't you putting that at the point to try to develop some offense on your power play? So things like that, but it just seems like it's the same thing over and over again. And they're just sticking to their system. And, you know, and I think it's coming back to, to bite them. But, yeah, Jason Robertson, a very good player. Puck seems to find him. Rupe Hens, another good player. When healthy, you know, has great speed and has a good shot. He's been hitting a lot of posts. So they have had some bad fortune. But, you know, at the same time, this is not something that's a bad start. This is a continuation from last year. So how do you stop it? That's the that's the biggest thing. I can tell you from what I know, there are some questions in that room right now. Uh, just before we move on to the blue line, go you know from the, in the bottom six, um, has there been a player or two that has surprised or has really contributed so far? That's frankly pressing some of these guys on the quote unquote second line for playing time and responsibility. Yeah, Jim Neal signed Luke Glendening in the offseason, who is a face-off specialist uh, that played with Detroit Red Wings, and he's been a really nice story. Actually, he's shown some offensive uh, skills. Michael Roffel, once again, a, a, a wily veteran uh, who played for the Caps and the Flyers, is putting in some good minutes. Radic Fox got off to a good start, but has slowed down since. You know, you just paid him $3 million a year, so, you know, you need more than 12 points a year. That's a guy, when you look back, he was a top draft pick for the stars um Miro Haskinen has had a very good year and uh, you know he's eating up minutes um you know the question I have is can Miro take the next step similar to a Kale McCarr offensively as he has defensively well and, and you know what let's get into the defense because I mean even going back a couple years as Haskinen was sort of emerging as you know that top three pick that everyone the Dallas expected when they called his name um, you know, there was a bit of envy here. I mean, the Jets lost a lot of that top defense from the 2017-18 season with, you know, Buff and Truba and, and Tyler Myers being gone. And, you know, you looked at that group of Heiskanen and Klingberg and Essa Lindell. And, of course, then Ryan Suter joins the mix. So I guess my question is, how what's what's this Dallas Stars version of Suter like? And, um, you know, John Klingberg doesn't have a contract for next year. He's going to be expensive. I mean, what are the storylines around the blue line right now? And how much are they getting out of that top four, which they rely so much on? Well, interesting that we preview tonight because tonight is um, kind of a blueprint of what we might see in the future. Thomas Harley, if he can get it done, that does give you that availability to possibly tell John Klingberg, here's our price. And if you don't like it, we understand you have to go elsewhere. But 
when John Klingberg has been out of the lineup, the stars have even been, let's just say, even less offensive minded. He's your quarterback. And, you know, that's why I'm saying Miro Haskinen needs to take that extra step. I need Miro Haskinen to be that quarterback on the power play. And, you know, that's not happening. It's still John Klingberg. So um, Klingberg, Suter, Suter has been good, but not great. I think he's a very suitable replacement. I was really enjoying, as I mentioned previously, Jamie Alexiak. I thought he was playing some really good hockey, and I, I'm enjoying him watching him in Seattle right now. I think his growth continues. Um, but I just don't mm-hmm. think they're as good right now on the back line as they were in previous years. Uh, and, and as far as high school, I mean, he's leading the team in scoring, although – I mean, the next guy, I believe, has three points on the club. We're not talking yeah, yeah. about a big, big number right now. Um, you know, he, I mean, good in both ends right now. I mean, are they expecting more offensively, though? Or is it maybe the lack of finish on some of his teammates? Or maybe he'd have better numbers so far this year. I think if you ask people close to the club, they would actually like to see Haskin and eat even more minutes. There are people that see what he can bring to the table. And they want more, especially at this time when they need him more. So um, I think overall, they're happy with his progress. Um, Like I said, you know, I think, you know, we'd like to see a little bit more of that Kale McCarr flashiness. We see it at times. He's very good offensively when he concentrates on the offensive side. And that's why I like the pairing of a big defenseman, you know, similar to when big buff was in Winnipeg and, you know, you could put someone next to him offensive minded. And if they crunched him, get ready, big buffs coming after you. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, with all analytics involved in hockey, it still comes back to physicality a lot of times. And, you know, I think that's what, the stars have to protect against with Miro Haskin and they can't allow him to get hit. And the same is with, uh, you know, John Klingberg, John Klingberg in overtime the other night against the Knights was moved off the puck in overtime, which resulted in the Stars should have had two points and they only ended up one, you know, they're just not that physical force uh, on the blue line and teams can take advantage of that. How do you see the Klingberg, um, the Klingberg playing out? Um, you know, we, we mentioned they've got they don't have a ton of money with some of the commitments they've made to other players. They've got their defenseman of the future in uh, in Miro Heiskanen, um, and Essa Lindell is on a pretty good value deal for what he brings for the next four seasons. Like, what's it going to cost to keep Klingberg? And will the Dal- can and will the Dallas Stars do it? Yeah, I think you're looking at 7.5 to 8.5 million a year based on the Seth Jones deal and based on some other deals. Um, I think that's a very fair deal. Eight year contract for John Klingberg. That's what, uh, you know, our uh, fellow media member Jeff Merrick was saying on a Hockey Night in Canada a couple uh, weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I think he's worth it when you look at his offensive numbers, you know, and basically he is one of those binding forces of the team. So, how can they make it happen? Joe Pavelski's up after this year. Alexander Radulops is up after this year. You have a great young goalie in Jake Ottinger. So if you want to bring him up and if you want to either try to trade Hudobin or let Holtby go after this year, so you have the space to make it happen. It's just if you sign John Klingberg, then your offense is already bad. Who do you fill you know, for Pavelski, who do you fill for Radulov, who's up after this year? So there's a lot of questions. Jim Nill, you know, if Jim Nill's still around after this year, you know, he's got some serious um, holes to fill if he wants to sign John Klingberg.
I do wonder, though, if he's got the stomach to roll out another big money eight-year deal to a guy that's just about 30 years old, knowing what's happening on the back end of deals like Jamie Benz. Yeah, I, I think at some point, this franchise has to say, appreciate what you've done, but we're going in a different direction. You know, I mean, looking back, hindsight 2020, Jamie Benn, after that scoring trophy, got rewarded with a big contract. Sagan got rewarded with a big contract. And immediately after, they just haven't been the same players. That's not a knock on them, but that's the reality when you look at the statistics. Alexander Radulov in his first year and a half with the Stars was outstanding. But now when you look at Alexander Radulov, he still hustles, but he's not that same player. And inevitably, he'll end up in the penalty box probably tonight for tripping or holding or something as he's trying to catch up, you know? So, I mean, I think, you know, you look at those situations, those have been some tough signings for Jim Nill. Uh, hey, Gavin, this has been such a great conversation, and thanks again for doing this. Just on the way out, uh, a few words on uh, just how good Braden Holtby has been and uh, how important, like, wh- where would the starts be without the performances that they've gotten from him so far this season, considering the lack of scoring? It's amazing. When you look at his save percentage in Vancouver last year, um, it is amazing the turnaround. Uh, I was against this signing just for based on the stats in Vancouver and watching him. And I, I really do think Jake Ottinger is the real deal. Um, and he's lighting up Texas right now in the AHL. So he's ready to come up when they're ready. So, I mean, he's not only has Braden Holtby been a great player, he's been a great teammate. He's the kind of guy that puts his arm around a Jake Ottinger and says, this is how it's done. So, I mean, all praise to Braden Holtby. He's really, I mean, he set himself up for another few years in the NHL with the way he's playing this hey, year. Hey, Gavin, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, first game of the season between these two clubs. Would love to uh, chop it up again, folks. You can follow Gavin and uh, check out all that he's got going on over at GJ Spittle. Uh, enjoy this game tonight, my friend. We'll do this again. Hello to all my Winnipeg friends, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Andrew. Let's do it again. Right on. There he is, Gavin Spittle. Uh, he, of course, covering the Dallas Stars, a VP of uh, sports for Audacity in Dallas-Fort Worth, and the president and founder of uh, Awesome Sports Logos. You can check that out on Twitter. Lots of neat stuff. But um, I've been covering the Stars for a long time. I've had some great conversations with him in the past. But very interesting to hear and see how both similar on paper the Stars look, some of the similar problems that they've had before. And again, not a new story when it comes to Dallas, the pressure on the guys getting paid the big money to step up and contribute on the score sheet. And that, of course, is Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Alex Radulov. Steve Simmons is going to come up in just a few minutes. I do want to thank Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and, of course, Curling in Manitoba, proud sponsors of both the Mike McEwen team and Jennifer Jones team, who, uh, along with Jason Gunlickson, who just booked his ticket to the Olympic trials, getting ready to uh, head to Saskatoon in less than three weeks to compete to represent our country at the upcoming Olympics. At Princess Auto, you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is over at Princess Auto, where we pride ourselves on helping you create the ideas in your head and turn them into a reality, whether for your shop, worksite, or home. Princess Auto's got the right tools and equipment to help you build or repair things yourself. Shop on uh, in person at two locations in Winnipeg. And of course, you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. 
uh, countrywide, but of course a great Winnipeg company headquartered right here and family owned in Winnipeg. Um, Little Brown Jug, our friends at Little Brown Jug are getting ready to celebrate five years. We'll do something special for the fifth anniversary coming up in a bit. Right now, the winter variety pack is available, including the uh, the double, one of the great beers I had a chance to try when we went down to the tap room last week. And if you had never been to Little Brown Jug on William Avenue, you really have to do go check it out for yourself. All the beers, some great merchandise is available. Just a great spot to meet with friends. They've got tons of events coming up. You can check the events page at littlebrownjug.ca. Not to mention you can order online for citywide delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. And check on the link for uh, booking events at Little Brown Jug if you're looking for a great spot for a bath bachelorette, bachelor party, birthday, or even a holiday party coming up this holiday season. And uh, tonight, Thursday, every night's a great night for Boston Pizza. BP, the spot to get together with friends to watch the big games on the big screen with the big sound, especially for Jets games. The pick a player promo, they do it so many, the Boston Pizzas, very, very popular. We'll get that going again tonight. Uh, and of course, ice cold schooners, delicious pizza, Boston's wings. Does it get any better than uh, watching the Jets at Boston Pizza? I don't think so. But if you're not going to go out, you can also get the uh, great taste of BP delivered right to your home by calling your local location or ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right. Thanks a lot to Gavin for joining us, setting up tonight's tilt between the Winnipeg Jets and the Dallas Stars. Uh, of course, this afternoon, Many of you are listening on the podcast, but 4 p.m. Uh, is the time that Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman will be speaking to the Winnipeg media publicly, or well, the national media as well, for the first time since the um, report on the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, as we got into the show today, I wanted to speak to someone with an incredible amount of experience covering the league and uh, no one better to do that with than Steve Simmons of Post Media, who joins us now. Cy, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us here in Winnipeg. I hope you're well, my friend. I am well and wish it was under better circumstances. Yeah. Um, you know, tell me about it. I mean, you know, I think anyone that is involved in sports, involved in the sport of hockey, has been, you know, rocked by everything that we've learned last week. Um, uh, you know, there were rumors. I mean, we'd heard the reports. There was a lawsuit I mean, all of those things, still, I wasn't prepared for what we heard last week, and I sure as hell wasn't prepared for Kyle Beach's incredibly courageous interview um, with Rick Westhead last week. Um, you've got decades in this game, but first of all, give us your reaction to what we learned from the report, um, as well as what we saw and heard from Kyle Beach last week. Well, it's hard to talk about one without the other right now. I think the Kyle Beach interview just took everybody to a place, frankly, that we've never been before. And and we've never heard before from a, a player around the NHL. I'm not going to say an NHL player because he wasn't that at the time, nor did he become one. Um, but it was just so shocking and so stunning to watch. And frankly, in reading the report, I found myself both shocked and stunned as well. And, you know, every time you think something like this can't happen or won't happen or will be better handled, you know, you're treated to this circumstance and this situation. And then afterwards, you know, comes a little bit of hyperbole about who should lose their job and who shouldn't lose their job and, and why everyone should be fired or why sh shouldn't be fired. And, and the conversation is ongoing. And just to, to give you one 
small example. On the average day, if I tweet something, I will get 100 to 200 responses on a tweet. I tweeted the other day that now that Stan Bowman is out and Joel Quenville is out, it's time for for Donald Fair to be out as well. And it's had over 2,000 likes in the past two days, which is, what, 20 times more than the average tweet would get. This story is resonating like none we've really known before. Well, and it's a great point. And you know what, Steve, and I get it. I mean, there's a lot of fans that, you know, know the story and they've learned about it. But, you know, they're coming to a place like this to, you know, talk about who's on the fourth line for the Jets and what's the power play looking like. And, you know, you do hear that in the chat, you know, hey, let's get back to hockey. And then you realize there's twice as many people in that normally are there because of how important this story is to so many at so many others. But um, I. As far as how this was handled from, I mean, I think we all know that it was a reprehensible lack of judgment on some very key people. Um, here in particular, listen, before we get to the PA and everything like that, I want to ask you about Kevin Dayoff because we'll hear from Chevy this afternoon along with Mark Chipman. I think that is a huge, huge part of this. And, you know, for Winnipeg fans, I think to maintain the confidence in the leadership of their club, considering what we, what we know. Um, I said on Thursday night, Steve, when I read what Gary Bettman posted after the resignation of Joel Quenville, that, you know, this, the way that they handled that, the wording that they had for Q um, made me very concerned that Kevin Sheveldayoff was going to be, uh, was going to be out. It would have been the easiest thing for them to just wash their hands of this and include Sheveldayoff in. What did you make of the decision to not discipline Sheveldayoff? And do you think it was right considering what we learned? Well, let me go back. Day before that, because when Joel Quenville coached on that Wednesday night, I think it was Wednesday night, Yeah, um, a lot of people, myself included, were very critical of the Florida Panthers and very critical of the NHL for allowing that to occur. Um, and I wrote a column that night saying that men will throw the book or is going to throw the book at Quenville. And that's what happened the next day. And I got a lot of emails, especially from Winnipeg people, asking, why did you not include Kevin Sheveldayoff in that column? I said, because when I read the report, he barely was mentioned. He, he didn't factor. So I didn't understand exactly what part he played or didn't play in the whole thing. So I chose to leave him out, even though I thought he was going to get the same punishment from guilty, guilt by association, if you want to call it that. Um, when I heard Gary Bettman answer the question yesterday, and I seem to be one of the few people on the planet who don't think he embarrassed himself yesterday. Um, when I heard him answer the question and he said that he was going to judge each person accordingly and he had no evidence to say that Kevin Chevaldeoff covered up anything or even was really aware of what all the circumstances were, I tend to believe that based on two factors. One, the report, which I thought was extremely well done by the lawyers. Two, the fact that everyone in that room was asked to tell who was in the room. The only person who said Kevin Sheveldayoff was in the room was Kevin. Everybody, no one even knew he was there. That's how, I'm not going to say insignificant, but that's how small a part, if any, he played in any of this. And if you're in a room and you hear about a problem and your boss says, oh, I'm taking care of this, this is all going to be taken care of, then maybe you go back to work and do your job and, and and, and do what you're supposed to do. So I don't know what he's going to say today, and I don't know exactly what questions he's going to be faced with, 
But I didn't see anything in print in that report that said Kevin Shebeldale should lose his job. Yeah, um, and to me, I mean, the maybe the key bit from yesterday's press conference wasn't as much from the commissioner, but it was from Bill Daly, who sort of afterwards said, because honestly, if you're in that meeting and you learn all of the details of what happened, the nature of that assault, what happened in, I don't know how anyone goes just about their business. But I think in reading the report, it was quite clear that what was alleged to have happened was maybe somewhat inappropriate or uncomfortable, but I don't think it was anywhere close to what we actually learned. And what Bill Daly says, you can't react to something that you don't know. And um, again, I don't know how much clarity we're going to get on this, but it does seem like what was brought up, at least initially in that meeting, was a far, far cry from the very serious sexual assault that we learned from the subsequent report and interview. And what bothered me when I read the report about Quenville was number one, he played that Roger Clements, I don't remember game. I don't remember what it was about. I don't remember what was said, blah, blah, blah. But in the report, after they knew what had happened between the video coach and Kyle Beach, Joel Quenville wrote him a year-end job assessment, a very positive one, ended it by saying, congrats on winning the Stanley Cup. To an abuser. And in in the, and again, I don't know who makes these decisions. Maybe we'll never find this out. Who decided that he was going to be at the parade? Who decided he was going to get a day with the Stanley Cup? Who possibly could think that way? And and, and Joel Quenville had to be part, this is a coach on his staff. I mean, he wasn't by the time the summer came because they had already removed him. But it was a coach on his staff, not hired by him, mind you. Dale Talon hired him before Joel Quenville was the coach of the Blackhawks. And, and, you know, to me, the coach of us, when it's a member of your staff and you're the coach, you're responsible. You're responsible to do something. And my God, to write a recommendation the way he wrote this, you know, it's almost the most despicable part other than the act in this whole story. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I certainly don't disagree with that. Um, as well as, you know, one of the things that came out of that meeting was Quenville, I mean, basically not wanting any of this. Well, we can't deal with this. And by all accounts, Brad Aldridge continuing his role as a video coach, working literally hand in hand with Joel Quenville and the rest of the coaching staff through, through it all. Can I stop you for a sec? Do you know who the video coach of the Winnipeg Jets is? Yeah, it's Matt Prefontaine. I'm asking, I was asking, expecting you not to know, because I, oh. I could not tell you who the video coach of the Maple Leafs is. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and, I, the, and the only reason I know that, Steve, is just a couple times, you know, we've asked this, how did you know to challenge? And they've said, but yeah, you want to talk about a guy that I'm is off is, the radar, it's him. Here's a guy, you can be around a team every single day, and you can never come across the video coach. He's not one of the main guys. He's not on the bench. He works in the dressing room. Uh, he, he, he meets with the coaches often, you know, you don't, you don't see, unless you're traveling on team flights, which nobody is anymore. You're not seeing him at the airport. You're not seeing him around the team, that kind of thing. Uh, so you're not getting to know him the way once, once upon a time, you got to know all the coaches on his staff and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and so when all this is happening, you know, I can understand how a black ace who is not with the team, who doesn't know any players, who's up there 
almost right out of junior hockey is now suddenly, oh, why don't we go for dinner? Why don't we go for drinks? The coach is asking him these questions and he's thinking, this guy's interested in me. I can see how sort of the beginnings of this could occur, troubling as it may be. That's how it tends to, you know, that's how the power situation comes out of this. And that's how it tends to happen. If you go back to the, the David Frosts and the Graham Jameses and, and, and what we've known of the past, I can control your career. Therefore, you must listen to me. Therefore, you must do this. Yeah, I mean, it's predators abusing power, and it's happened. I, I, I will admit, and I maybe this was the naivety. I mean, I'm fortunate to have never been involved in anything like this. I have no experience with anything like this. But, Steve, when I heard that this happened in the National Hockey League in 2010, in the middle of a Stanley Cup playoff run, I mean, I, I was absolutely stunned. I couldn't believe that this had happened. And, you know, once you get to the point of understanding how these individuals work, you can believe it's true. But the thing that I was left was not as much, you know, if this is rampant in the NHL, because I don't think it is, especially now. But if that's possible there, what does this mean for what is possible at the junior level, the minor hockey level, um, you know, where so many of these coaches have so much control over the path and dreams of young people? See, people keep talking hockey culture and the silence of the hockey culture. I don't view it that way. I think this is not just a sporting culture. This is a societal culture. In the past five years, we've seen enormous scandals, far larger than this one, uh, in, in gymnastics in the United States, in swimming in the United States, in figure skating. In, I mean, I can go sport by sport by sport. In football at Penn State University, um, just some terrible, terrible situations that people look the other way on Dr. Larry Nasser, and people look the other way on Jerry Sandusky. Um, those are not hockey stories. So everyone who's saying the hockey culture has to change, yeah, the hockey culture has to change. Every culture has to change because we all have to get stronger and smarter about all of this. But this, this is not. Uh, and again, I'm in the minority on this. While there's a lot of screaming going on right now, and usually I'm the guy doing the screaming. I'm the one on the other side right now. This, and I, I pointed out in a column the other day about 20 different instances in the past five years of, of stories similar or worse than this one. And none of them involved hockey. Steve Simmons of Post Media with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, discussing more of the follow-up from the Chicago Blackhawks investigation. Um, Sai, what did you make of what has been alleged to um, have been overlooked by the National Hockey League Players Association? And how serious is that when it comes to the relationship between their membership and their leadership? And what does this mean for Don Fair? Well, Stan Bowman is out as general manager of the Blackhawks. Joel Quenville is out now as, as coach of the Florida Panthers. And I think right now Don Fair should be out as head of the National Hockey League Players Association. And Dr. Brian Shaw should be out, even though there are people who speak very highly of him, Jonathan Drouin being one of them, um, should be out from his position because they were derelict in their duties here. And I have, I have, I guess, some familiarity with some of this kind of stuff from the book I did called The Lost Dream. And when I watched the interview with Beach on TSN done by Rick Westhead, which Again, I would say if you haven't seen it, go find it. It's you, you want to see it and you don't want to see it all at the very same time. It reminded me of an interview I did with a, a, a guy named Tom Jefferson, who was Mike Danton's younger brother, 
who was apparently abused by David Frost and others. And I spent over an hour at his house with him, talking to him. And, you know, we would talk for a few minutes and then he would cry and he'd continue the story. And then he would cry and continue the story. And, and I got in the car and drove home, which was a little more than an hour. And I listened to the tape driving home and I'm crying all the way driving home. So what it was like for Westhead to be in the position. It could be, you know, in this case, it was from a 21-year-old or 20-year-old, what, what he happened to be at the time. You know, I was talking about a, a 13, 14-year-old, what happened to be at the time. And you see all these years later how deeply affected they still are by these. They carry this with them their whole lives. And, and, and you talked about, well, we're not used to sort of strange things happening. Well, just to reference my book one more time, yeah. um, Mike Denton is playing in the NHL for the San Jose, sorry, for the St. Louis Blues against the San Jose Sharks in a playoff series. It's between periods of a playoff game, Stanley Cup playoffs. He goes to the washroom between periods, takes his cell phone with him and orders a hit over the phone in between periods of an NHL playoff game while the game's going on to kill his agent, David Frost. Like, like you couldn't, you could not have created that story. If you did it in a movie, no one would believe it to be true. Um, and, and this story, when you, I mean, the, I mean, the first thing I heard from people is how did a, a little pipsqueak video coach, you know, have his way with, you know, a six foot tall, you know, six, three, I think he is, you know, 200 and some pound forward. Well, it's not about size and weight and all that. You know, it's about, as you say, it's about power and, and how do you exercise that power and, and how, and how do you take advantage of your position or your situation when you know you can, and that's what predators know when they can. You know, I'm glad you brought that up and we've spoken about this in the past and your incredible work on uh, that and the book on the Danton saga. What the, have you been thinking about that quite a bit? as we've been talking about this, I mean, I guess there are some similarities you just pointed out again, some it's very different, but, uh, and, and what's become of David Frost? I, I, that I don't know. Uh, I've asked the question a few times and I, I don't really get an answer from anyone anymore. He's kind of disappeared seemingly, which frankly is not a bad thing. Um, one of the fascinating things to me when I started thinking about the work that went into the book and the book itself was I had a letter sent to me, for the book by Bill Wirtz, the owner of the Blackhawks. And what it was, it was a letter that he sent to the NHL Players Association, and he copied to Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. And the letter was about David Frost getting certified as a player agent and how the disgrace of what's happened with him in Danton and, and how this is the worst thing to happen to the NHL in 50 years. And then privately, he sent me a, a letter with the copy of the letter where he said that he had his grandchildren playing minor hockey and he was very, you know, protective of safe hockey. And here we are talking about what team Bill Wirtz's team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Now Bill has passed away. Uh, his sons are now in charge and apparently they didn't know this was going on under their watch. And I don't think we've heard the last of John McDonough in his part in all of this. Cause I think his name will surface again. And before this story, you know, goes away, you know, uh, I mean, there is litigation right now. I mean, the Blackhawks, you know, first of all, saying that they'd investigate and it is without merit. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people that probably will be facing some sort of a punishment going forward. But the thing that 
I mean, in addition to what happened to Kyle Beach, the fact that Bradley Aldrich was essentially allowed because of inaction to abuse others um, is where things get pretty cloudy legally. What do you think is coming for? And how big of that issue that is still maybe undetermined plays into the very lawyered statements we've heard really the entire time from the Winnipeg Jets on behalf of Kevin Sheveldayoff, Steve? I think everything's about the lawyer statements. I think what Batman and Daly were saying yesterday, they're both lawyers themselves, but I'm sure they're getting legal advice on this, how the Blackhawks put out their statements and what they said was, was lawyer. And if you notice, Stan Bowman hasn't spoken and McDonough hasn't spoken. And I think everybody is, is, is sort of listening to what their legal advice is telling them at this point, because uh, a question was asked. It might've been Westhead yesterday who asked about, the 16-year-old who was abused and whether the NHL would support his treatments. And, and Batman hemmed and hawed about, about the answer and said, well, he didn't really know much about the details. And I think what he was saying, if you, if you want to interpret it properly, what he was saying is, I can't say anything because the minute I say something, I'm opening ourselves up legally for possible action. And so I think we have to also understand that on a daily basis, when a lawsuit is, is filed, not everything in that lawsuit is 100% correct. When you file your, you know, what, what is it called, the, the claim back, For not me. everything in that. You know, the owners of the Blackhawks say they want to settle, but, you know, obviously they're not settling right now. Their lawyers and the other lawyers are doing what lawyers do, which if you've ever been sued, is there's a lot of nonsense involved and some of its substance and if I have a, a case against you, for example, and I've got 15 things on the list of things that I want to charge you with, you know, probably eight or nine of them are real and probably seven of them are either exaggerated or, or not even true. This is how this is how these lawsuits go. And um, and, you know, that's that's the legal game. We can't get caught up in exactly what someone is saying when we know they're now, Steve Simmons uh, from PostMia is our guest here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Just had a couple internet outages, but I think we're good. Steve, before we go, and this has been a, a great conversation, I, I, I'm really interested in your perspective in the media of all of this. I guess two things. Uh, what did you make of the fact that Pierre had to sort of prod the NHL to get Westhead on the call yesterday for a question? And I guess the second part of that is Westhead has been the one guy that has been on this from the start. And to be honest... A lot of guys that we think of as the hockey insiders, the ones that are in, have been incredibly quiet throughout this, really, until it's all come to a head. Um, just thoughts on, uh, maybe your thoughts on that, because you'd know this better than anyone. Well, first of all, understand this. TSN hires, or CTV hires, Rick Westhead as an investigative reporter. That means his entire day, his entire month, his job is to look for stories that are very large and in scope, and he'll do probably four or five or six of these in a year. Uh, the insider's job is to come up with what is going on in the league Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No time to breathe. I, I've been around these guys. Their phone never stops ringing. They're, I have great regard for what they do and for the job that the Pierre Lebruns and the Elliot Friedmans and Bob McKenzie and whoever else does it. Drager, all those guys. But unless you had been tipped off by someone and came off of your daily, 
occurrence. How many months do you think Westhead worked before he got to the point of being able to come through with this story? I don't know any newspapers anymore that have investigative sports journalists. We can't afford, we can barely afford staff. We can't afford to have one person producing so little in the course of a year, although in this case, little became big. Um, and so give credit to TSN for being the one network that goes in this direction and also goes counter to the NHL because they're not a rights holder. And so Sportsnet is in a difficult position as a rights holder to have an investigative reporter investigating their own product, so to speak. So I don't, I know people have been ripping on media for this. The daily people who do that, whether they write columns or are insiders or beat people or whatever, unless you get a tip of some kind, you trip over something. I mean, I did that with David Frost. I got lucky on, on something. And, and that's how I sort of started, you know, working on that. Um, but most people don't have the, the time or the ability to be able to do that while doing what their daily expectations are. And so, you know, all credit in the world to Rick Westhead, who's done wonderful work on this, and credit to TSN for having the temerity to have somebody doing that. But understand also that you can't find these kind of stories if you don't have that 60 minutes kind of reporter working. Cy, uh, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I always love uh, talking to you. Hopefully we can do this again. We'll talk about what's happening on the ice today. And uh, I know a lot of times you're a very polarizing figure and that's what has made you so great. But uh, getting a lot of uh, a lot of love today in the chat here on Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Nice to hear this perspective uh, because there's a lot of loud voices that have said other things. I think everyone's got room. It's an important topic. We want everyone to have it. But your perspective, I think, was quite needed today. I wanted to just touch one thing quickly before leaving. Please do. A lot of talk about Westhead didn't get the question on the Bettman press conference and great for LeBron to do what he did. I have been to probably 30 Gary Bettman press conferences over the years. I've probably been to 20 or 25 Roger Goodell press conferences over the years. A Roger Goodell press conference is like going to an annual meeting of, of a stock. The questions are, are pre-done. The people who are asking them are all prepared. You can put your hand up. And I think you've probably been there for some of them at yep. Super Bowl. I had my hand up for an entire hour one time at Super Bowl and never got asked. And it was strictly, it, it was, the, the fix was in, so to speak. Now, what I'd like to know from yesterday, and we won't know the answer to this, did Bettman and or Daly or somebody tell the PR people, no questions for Resthead, or was this just circumstantial? I sus or did the PR guys do it on their own? I don't know whether they made the call, whether, you know, the commissioner and, and his assistant made the call or who they, it was a bad look and a bad call. You know, he should have been the first question of the day, considering yeah, I, the fact that it was his story. I think so. Well, and just on, just on that, I mean, the one thing that it was kind of hard not to notice was, and you mentioned about being the rights holder, where were all the Sportsnet guys yesterday? I mean, the only Sportsnet person I think that asked a question was a guy named Luke Fox, which, to be honest, I'm not that familiar with, which was the last one at the end of 50 minutes. Yeah, he's, I mean, the, he's the new Chris Johnson there, I guess. He's doing sort of league and leafs for them. And uh, you're right. I don't know where they were. And and you know what? Maybe their, their call was in the queue and, and never got asked. Although I suspect because some people got second questions yeah. that, that there was room for whoever, you know, put your hand up. 
And what I find sometimes with those kind of pre- with the Zoom press conferences of today is you put your hand up. The question you're going to ask is just asked by somebody else. So then you take your hand down and then you think of another question and you put your hand up and then somebody asks that one and you take your hand down. And, and sometimes it's not so much of whether you want to ask a question or whatever. It's that the question you were going to ask was just asked by someone else. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it just seems strange. I mean, with the way that things have sort of picked up, and so many very respected people that work there have been pretty outspoken on all of this. Um, it, it was. It, it it begs the question as to like, was this were they not supposed to be on the call or something like that? Like, how does that? It's one thing to have you know not been on this story for a long time, but now when we're here, you open up the intermissions of Hockey Night in Canada. That's all everyone's talking about. Um, and then to have no Friedman, no Merrick, no any of the the top guys there, it was uh, it seems strange to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and you know, and I and I have the world of regard and respect for Elliot Friedman. Oh, so do I. So uh, without asking him, you know, what happened, I I I'd rather let you know people decide for their for themselves on that. Yeah, I, I just didn't know whether I was missing something or there was something that you get. Oh no, this is the reason why you know they wouldn't be on it because of uh, whatever the case. Anyways, it's uh. Uh, Sai, your uh, your introspection and uh, experience on this is great. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we'll catch up. We'll talk about the people going crazy in Leafs Nation. Hopefully the Jets playing well at some point soon. But uh, in the meantime, uh, you be well, and thanks so much for your time. All right. We'll see you at Great Cup. <laughs> you got it. The Bombers, too, hopefully. Yeah. There is Steve Simmons <laughs> from Post Media. Uh, give him a follow, at Simmons Steve. Um, and it was an unbelievable conversation. As I mentioned, you know, Steve has been a columnist, one of the most successful in can- Canada really ever. And, you know, he'll write stuff and, you know, there will be people that'll love it and there'll be people that go crazy, but you're always reading it. And, um, but he has the experience and the courage to, uh, maybe not always fall in line with what everyone else is saying. And, um, you know, and sometimes it's not popular, but you know what, when you're at that level, um, you don't need to be. And, uh, listen, it was, uh, I think that sort of experience, um, and perspective is, uh, is good today on a day like today. Um, because it's very simple to hear. And again, I'm not really taking sides. I've said all along, I mean, I need to hear what Kevin Chevalier has to say today, what Mark Chipman has to say, how they're going to go forward and, hopefully make you know some real positives come out of this here in Winnipeg for this organization and, and whatnot. But I do understand what the report said about Shevel Dayoff and the fact that, you know, Bill Daly was pretty clear that, you know, what would have caused people to go to the cops or whatever didn't really seem like it was in that meeting yesterday. So it's tough to act on something that you haven't been presented with. Um, so anyways, that was uh, that was great stuff from Cy. We appreciate him being with us today on the program. More, much more to get to. And don't forget, 4 p.m. this afternoon will be the press conference with Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman. If you are listening to this on the podcast later, you can head back to, uh, to the podcast or the YouTube channel, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe. Hit that red subscribe button um, for uh, everything that's said today a little later on from Canada Life Center. Um, shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Still buzzing over the opening of the new Winnipeg Car Lab. Uh, they're doing custom wraps. They're doing rims, st- tinting, striping, all that stuff. Maybe if you're uh, tweaking out a car or looking to do some great-looking advertising on it, it's all at Winnipeg Car Lab. You can follow them on all the socials, 
for more of what they do uh, or see them at at permanent or Waverly and McGilvery at not auto corp with just an incredible selection of vehicles some of the best deals in town on the best rides in town why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the not team see them at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at not.ca counting down to one more home regular season game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers before December 5th. It'd be actually be pretty nice on Saturday, all things considered. Uh, and it'll be a great night Saturday night, maybe for a few delicious CC and gingers or CC and Cokes at IG field with some friends watching the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Of course, Canadian club is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the official whiskey of Winnipeg sports talk. Shout out to Miller Time, who was our winner of the I Love Rye package in the Marble Race last Friday. We'll be doing another one this Friday, heading into the weekend with uh, some Canadian club, as well as a co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie. Um, shout out to, I believe it was Doug that won last Friday, as he just came and picked it up yesterday. Big thanks to Canadian Club. You can also grab CC at Manitoba Liquor Marts all around the city and province. And hey, our friends Nick and Nikki are doing it up. First of all, hook this up big time. We had the tie in the marble race and had to div- give out two cakes. We've got those hooked up for rolls. And Mark, congratulations to the guys. Lots going on as we get into winter. For the first time ever, the St. Anne's DQ is going to be open year round. So uh, Nick and Nikki took that one over last year. They got it going. And uh, now so popular that, you know, they need those. They need that flat iron, flat top grill working throughout the year. They'll also be on skip DoorDash. So if you're feeling the great taste of DQ, you'll be able to get it delivered throughout the year. DQ St. Anne's open year round. You'll be able to get your cakes there at DQ Manitoba. And I did see, I think a special two double cheeseburgers for seven bucks right now as well on a billboard yesterday. So lots going on at DQ. Visit the Nick and Nicky uh, DQs, Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and now open year round DQ St. Anne's. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here after uh, some great talk in the Jets and Stars tonight. And I've got to say, man, a really interesting conversation with Steve Simmons that, uh, you know, usually Simmons takes a lot of heat in the chat when he joins us, be for some of his takes, which I love. Um, I was, uh, listen, it was great to see so many people loving what Steve had to say today, Reem. Yeah, I mean, uh, there were so many comments in chat. Wow, I don't usually like Steve Simmons, but... <laughs> He's making a lot of sense right now, every single person. And if people, I know there are a lot of people who disagreed with Jeff yesterday. They seem to be agreeing with Steve in the chat. Everyone's like, wow, Steve Simmons. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> it was over. I am I keep repeating myself, but I'm just reading uh, what the what the chat was. So it was pretty, um, it was hey, pretty we've awesome. We've got room for a lot of different opinions here. And I mean, I have so much respect for Hamilton. Um, he is a great friend, a guy that's done incredible work in this space. Uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, sexual assault and abuse and his voice is a very important one that needs to be heard right now. Um, but I think the perspective and experience of a guy like Simmons dealing with, when we're talking about the national hockey league and of course the story, I mean, Reem, the, the Mike Danton, David Frost mm-hmm. saga, I mean, can you imagine a guy getting onto a plane in the middle of a NHL playoff series and getting arrested by the FBI for a for a planned murder? 
I mean, that's that's stuff that you write movies about. And yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that entire saga, and I, I can remember being so fascinated, just wanting more information about how that worked. And Steve's book is incredible. If you have not read it, um, it, it is certainly worth your time um, because it's uh, it's a story that, you know, does touch on some of the areas of what we're talking about here. Not necessarily a coach that is a sexual predator, but in some ways a guy that commanded a ton of power, ripped kids away from their families, and, you know, drove Mike Danton to a spot where he wanted him done. Um, it was done clumsily. It ended up kind of ruining his life. He ended up spending all that time in jail, and Frost has been a shadowy figure in the hockey world for a long time. Um, but anyway, size experience was very welcome today on the program. Um, and there is room, as I said, for differing opinions on this, just as we've seen. And, and again, some opinions right now are more kind of publicly popular or palatable than others. Um, but I think before we have our opinions, it might be good to read the report to get all the information. And I think the other part of it for everyone is hearing what Kevin Sheveldayoff has to say, along with Mark Chipman. We'll have that opportunity this afternoon at 4 p.m., uh, you know, Remo, this is going to be a fascinating day. And again, we'll have some extra content here with the press conference on Winnipeg Sports Talk on the channel on YouTube. Um, but I do think it's important and they really did want to get this done before fans get back into the arena. Whether all the fans are going to have the opportunity to see it before the puck drops tonight, I'm not sure. Um, but the fact that, you know, they weren't able to do it on Monday after moving up the meeting to Friday that was originally planned for Monday, I think speaks to that, you know, they're ready. I think Shevel, they probably more than anyone is looking forward to trying to, you know, plead his case to people after, as we mentioned, you know, a whole bunch of lawyered arguments that I think have been more about, um, you know, protecting liability when it comes to a bigger picture. Yes. Uh, yes. I agree with everything you just said. Um, I think, you know, when you listen to people talk about this subject, they got to be careful what they say because of lawsuits. And I think we've seen that so far with some of the statements. And I'm curious if we're going to see more of that this afternoon. Um, I mean, I have no idea. I, I think it. I think it'll probably be more of the same, just based on what we saw from Gary Bettman yesterday. And I get, but you never know till until uh, we see what happens. So I'm I'm definitely intrigued. And I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are interested in uh, what what he has to say here at four o'clock. Yeah, no doubt about that. So again, we're going to be, uh, we might even stop maybe a little earlier than we normally do, but we will come back at 4 p.m. here on YouTube and we'll have all of the, everything that's said, we'll have it for you here on the channel. Um, and if you are busy, you have to run out, you can come back here later on. It'll be a good go-to source yeah. for it. I mean, God knows this has been dominating the conversation for the better part of the last week plus on the program. Want to make sure that we've got all of what um, is important to Winnipeg fans, and that's hearing what the owner and general manager have to say this afternoon. Yeah, people are asking if we're going to be sticking around until 3. I told Huss, I'm like, Huss, we can fire up some like PGA Tour and, and play it on stream <laughs> for an hour or make make DraftKings lineups, put in some uh, some bets and just hang out in the chat, but we'll take take a break. I'll put up the uh, the podcast and then we'll be back shortly before. Yeah, we'll jump on it again. I, I, I don't want, we probably won't have a lot afterwards. Um, you know, I want to be able to, uh, this well, entire week, and I will say this from a personal standpoint, I think any of you that are watching the show live, I mean, you know, we're coming on at one o'clock, we go for about two hours. 
I mean, I don't really have a time for a break or any time to read things. And a lot of what's happened over the last week, um, you know, news has been breaking while we've been on the air. And, you know, it's been raw, it's been honest, but I mean, there's been a lot of sort of stream of consciousness reaction to everything that we've heard. Um, so I'll certainly be on it. I mean, we'll be making notes. We'll be going. We'll probably spend a lot more time talking about the aftermath of it tomorrow and what we heard, both with a Winnipeg perspective with Marana Tesh, as well as Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Um, and of course, we'll always have the opportunity for uh, you and your feedback here in the chat. And as always, at Winnipeg Sports Talk, um, all of our social media channels, which is at Sports Talk WPG. Um, so we've got a game tonight. We've talked about the lines. We've talked about the opponents. So we've talked about the fact that Eric Comrie is starting because we've got a new member of the Hellebuck family, which is fantastic news. Uh, first time seeing the Dallas Stars. Let's get to some of the other stories in and around Winnipeg. And let's get to the Bombers, you know, because the Bombers are back at practice today. Just pulling up Ed, Eddie Tate's feed, and we'll look to hopefully have Ed on the program on Friday to tee up the game. Winston Rose is back. He is lined up at one of the corners with Mike Jones inside. Lots of different looks on defense right now. Both Andrew Harris and Jamarcus Hardrick there in attendance, but not practicing. And meanwhile, some news from the Alouette side of things. Matt Schiltz is inactive with a knee injury, and guess who's come on down to Winnipeg. It's Trevor Harris, who has had very little success so far this season against the Blue Bombers. Um, he probably can't believe he's got to come back here and play that defense again, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bombers defense. I was looking at uh, the CFL standings yesterday, and I always like to look at, you know, points for, points against for the season. You know, maybe you can see it if a team's outperforming their record or, you know, underperforming. And the Bombers' points against in 11 games is so insane. 126 points. Um, like, the next closest team is Hamilton at 192. We know their fourth quarter points, but they've allowed, like, six fourth, fourth quarter points all season. Something something extremely stupid um, in terms of how, uh, how like, amazing they've played. So, uh, Montreal, I mean, they had a team when they had Vernon Adams Jr. I mean, he could sling it, he could throw deep, but he could also make a lot of mistakes. I think their defense has been very porous. Uh, Montreal, you can definitely put up a lot of points. On them, uh, I mean, not as I mean, not as bad as Ottawa. Ottawa's on an, another level of bad, but Montreal is that was wasn't great. So uh, Trevor Harris, we saw him with Edmonton, um, although we did see some Cornelius as well, uh, you know, against the Bombers. But I mean, he's had a rough year. I thought he was pretty good in Ottawa before, for whatever reason, wasn't working this year. You know, they have good receivers. Eugene Lewis having a great season. Jake Wieneke, but they had some other guys too stepping up last week. So I'm interested in Montreal, but. I mean the Bombers' defense, Huss. I mean, has there ever been like, I don't. Has there ever been a more like in terms of? I just think of it in terms of fantasy. Like you got to play the Bombers' defense lot, like lock button them. Who cares? This who is the, the Bombers' defense is the best defense in the history of fantasy football because the last yeah. time there was a defense that you could even compare to what the Bombers are doing right now in the CFL, mm-hmm. fantasy football did not exist. Roto baseball hadn't even been ex- uh, hadn't been invented. Yeah, like we're talking about the fifties and the sixties. Like half of a century, this team by the numbers, uh, and, and you know I know Waiters was mentioning uh, Osh was on with Knuckles, uh, Bob Irving on the CJOB coaches show last night, and from the sounds of it, I mean not a lot of guys are going to get rested. 
it could happen at some point before the end of the season. I'm not saying that that won't, but I think right now with still so much time before that game, um, they're going to put out pretty much the starters. And that's why let's get to the cool bet lines. We do have lines for the Canadian football league and remote, even without anything to play for against a team right in the thick of a playoff race. The Bombers are a double-digit favorite, 12-and-a-half-point faves against the Montreal Alouettes in that game on Saturday night. And to be honest, I can't, uh, I can't blame them, and I'm going to be taking the Bombers. I mean, that's just what they do. They don't give up points, and they pound teams, especially at home. Well, how many points you think Montreal is going to score? I mean, the Bombers average, like, what, like 12 points against? <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, I mean, their defense has been punishing. They're coming off a bye. And how many points do you think their offense is going to score? 25, 20, 26? What? 30? That's like three weeks worth. They they <laughs> might get 25 or 26 in the home-and-home home series. So, I mean, the question is, well, actually, let's see. Do they have a, a, a away team total yet? Do they have a team? Yeah, I don't know. Do they have a team? I Sometimes would love to see. Closer to the game, closer to the game, we'll have it. But, yeah, what is the over-under? Maybe 14? 13 and a half. I mean, you look, look at, I mean, teams don't score double digits very often against the Winnipeg blue bombers. <laughs> double, <laughs> double digits. Yeah. I, I'm still laughing at <laughs> Willie Jefferson. Yeah. You know, we, we could have played better. We let them get a couple of uh, first downs that they shouldn't have had. Should have been three and outs. I mean, that's where the bombers, they're not worried about points. They're worried about giving up first down so <laughs> this is some great comments frosty winnipeg the bombers practice roster is listed as the number two team in the league <laughs> the power pole that would be a good thing power pole winnipeg bomb bombers bombers practice roster uh riders stamps high cats uh of it all um and kabilis you know what you know what you're you're jacked you're a crossfit guy you probably could go play for the bombers you know and uh give some guys some rest like to see you muck it up in the trenches. Um, and yes, are we getting an update for the weather on December 5th? We will do the update closer when we actually have it. I'll give you an update for this weekend, though, um, because it's a Saturday night game in November, very late. Uh, the latest we have for Saturday, pretty nice. A mix of sun and cloud and a high of nine degrees. Now, of course, that's it high that day it'll probably be closer to three or four but i mean let's face it when you think about you know outdoor football in the evening in november um usually we're thinking about things that start with a minus so um the fact oh this one remus has got it saying it's going to go up to 13 on saturday that's unbelievable weather for early november usually we got some significant amount of snow Yes, uh, I need. Yeah, I need to be warm. I got to go do some work in my garage, so it can't be too, can't be too cold. Us, <laughs> I'm. I, I can't be too cold. I'm gonna go do some work in my garage. That's right, folks. It reminds me of uh, an old, uh, old WWE saying: S A W F T, soft. What do you mean? Yeah, it's not soft. I don't have a heated garage. A, you're in a garage. I mean. Listen, if you're worried about doing something in a garage in early November, I hate to inform you what's coming for the next three or four months. That's why months I don't out. do work in the garage. I thought you were going to be like, you're not doing work in a garage. You're full. You're full of shit. You don't even know how to hold a tool. You can <laughs> okay, barely well, use it. You can barely that, use a power tool. What are you doing? <laughs> well, no, you know what? I've seen you build this studio. So I, I've now actually, a year ago, I would have mm -hmm. definitely been in that corner. But you know what? You know, you're apparently getting by doing some solid parenting. 
Everything on yeah. the tech side of WST for the most part has been going quite well. So I do have a, a renewed sense of confidence in you and your uh, your handy and abilities. And we, I certainly am not one to throw stones because I'm living in a huge glass mansion when it comes to this topic. Yeah, we did get a tweet from Gavin Spittle who just came on with you an hour ago. He said, stick tap to Andrew and his crew for having me on to preview tonight's Stars game with the Jets. A lot of people get amazed to know that it's uh, there's the crew is just us. There's there's nobody yeah. else. So. And that's why there can be the odd mute fiasco or forget to go live or you know things like that. But again, yeah, you know what? We just uh, we just roll with it. Uh, but in all honesty, um, you know, this week, this last week has been difficult. Um, you know, it's it's kind of I think taken it's been taxing for everyone. I, I'm really looking forward to getting to the rink tonight and just focusing on a hockey game. Uh, but of course, before we do that, I mean, we're going to hear from Kevin Shoveldayoff and Mark Chipman. Um, and and I'm, you know, just as as a fan and a supporter of a team and someone that spends a lot of money with the hockey club, and I'm sure many of you are in the same space. Um, you know, you just want to hear something honest uh, and open about what happened to why, you know, from Sheveldayoff's mouth himself, why that, you know, he, uh, he didn't know all of this, um, which is pretty much what we've heard yesterday from the commissioner and from Bill Daly and in the report, um, but also how the Winnipeg Jets and both of those two individuals, you know, are able to maybe help create new things here in Winnipeg and promote change to prevent this from ever happening again. And, I don't think there's anyone um, that's not on board with that because um, God knows we don't want to have more weeks like we've had here on this program in the hockey world. And certainly uh, if anything can be done to prevent the Kyle beaches of the world from being victimized, that is what is what's important. So that's all coming up tonight at uh, well this afternoon. If you're watching us live right now, it's just getting close to 22 and about 80 minutes or so. 4 p.m. We'll fire up the YouTube channel once again and have it for you live here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, but Remo, it's easy to kind of get down a rabbit hole. We've been talking about that a lot. Let's get to cool bet lines, some of the other things happening before we finish up the program. A couple other games in the CFL I was mentioning Bombers 12 and a half point favorite against the Alouettes. Uh, Toronto, uh, we've got 10 and a half points for the uh, Argos on the road. We've got the Riders six-point favorites at the Edmonton Elks, who by all accounts have quit on the season. You think you'll see me on the or the Riders this weekend on that? Talked about that on the lock shop today. And the Tie Cats, who, you know, to be honest, I think are getting back to where we thought we might see them. I mean, they were the preseason Grey Cup favorites, so they're certainly by no means a favorite going into the playoffs. But um, I'll tell you what, Reem, when you break down those teams in the east of the three, the uh the Tie Cats, I think, are still the ones that you know, that scare me the most as someone that uh, wants to see the Bombers run it back. I actually agree. I was going to say Toronto earlier on, but again, you look at the point differentials. Um, the Ticats defense has been very good quietly. They're they're close to the Bombers, not not in the same league, but they're close. But the Ticats offense, I think, had the issues earlier on. Masoli was hurt. Dane Evans got hurt. They're rocking with Watford. But Masoli, he looked good last game, has thrown for a couple TDs. Uh, Brandon Banks, I think we've come to realize that he is not MOP Brandon Banks of the past. But they have some other guys who've stepped up, Jalen Acklin and uh, what do they got, Dunbar? I got I like that name, Dunbar. And uh, what do they got, like Pat, Tim White and Pappy White? Is that 
Is that correct? The two <laughs> guys with the last name White. So uh, they can't re- they can't really run the ball. I think that's been an issue for them. But I think Masoli he seems to be rounding it to form at what is appearing to be the right time. So yes, could we have we could have a, a Bombers Ticats uh, rematch? That's for sure. But it would be uh, Masoli at quarterback if he can stay healthy. Lots going on in the chat right now. The number one topic, though, did you just have an epic yawn into the microphone that um, no, wasn't no muted? Yawn. You didn't have it? No, no it would never happen. It d- would never happen. Never happen. <laughs> Come on, you guys. You guys are making stuff up here. Uh, could have no. been a moan. What are the two? Okay, no, waiters, no. let's get to it. Is Hustler still concerned with his Chiefs? Yeah, people want to yes. know. Yes. <laughs> like, there could not be... Uh, I was hoping but they would blow the Giants out, get that offensive mojo, run away with that game, and give people some confidence. That was the least confidence-inspiring victory I can remember, maybe at any point in the Andy Reid era. The Giants aren't very good, and I hate to say it, my Chiefs aren't very good right now either. Um, The offense offense had that great drive going down – one poor play, bang, off a helmet, pick. And it seemed like that sort of rattled Mahomes. And, you know, the, the Giants just played two safeties back all game long. Uh, and it was six yards, seven yards, screen pass, Tyreek Hill in the flat going. If it wasn't for Tyreek Hill, I mean, the entire offense was useless. Kelsey had a terrible game, had a fumble. He didn't step up. And other than those two guys, um, I mean, Nicole Hardman, Pringle, Robinson, Josh Gordon. I mean, nobody's scaring anyone right now. So, uh, listen, the thought of having to e-transfer Ryan Freeze in 40 bucks is uh, yeah. it's on my mind right now because they do not look like a team, never mind that's going to the Super Bowl, to even get to. I mean, I think the playoffs are kind of up in the air right now. Now, there is a seventh, there is a seventh seed, so, I mean, no one will count them out. They did get a win which at the end of the day was what they needed to. And it's better to be talking about a four and four team than a three and five team. But no, uh, I got almost no confidence. In fact, I think I might feel more concerned about the team, despite the fact that they won last night. And if you look at their schedule coming up, I mean, there's no, the giants aren't, uh, aren't coming back to Arrowhead in prime time anytime soon. So, uh, a uh, very interesting time in the National Hockey yeah. League. But, uh, yeah, the Chiefs need a guy like Brady. Stop triggering me, you guys. I'll, I'll Jackson Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Mahomes hates his life, actually. If you're looking at, you know, which he should be so happy. He's got, you know, the wife, the the baby. The TikToks of his, of his fiancé and his brother, um, I think, really are driving. He needs to almost take their phones away and not give them back. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, you mentioned, you keep mentioning Ryan Freeze, and a lot of people don't know who are on the uh, who like, on the podcast. They him. Well, he's the he's the chat troll, Ryan Freeze, and we gotta we gotta make sure people understand. I mean, giving him money is not an enjoyable experience. So, no, I don't know how. Well, I mean, it was a hot take at the start, and I jumped at it. I mean, this mm-hmm. is not like I got sucked into it or whatever. I mean, he, to his credit. He was going at it. I said, I'll bet him. So we did. Um, and it might blow up in my face. And that one will be a tough one to take. But um, uh, but listen, Tate Mahomes. Mahomes does look lost a little bit right now. Um, listen, I'll still take him over anybody in the league right now if I'm starting a franchise. But I'll tell you what. They need to, uh, the offensive players need to get into some spots to make some more plays. The defense has got to be better. Andy Reid's got a lot on his hands to 
you know, being the offensive genius he is to figure out how to be a little bit more effective with the fronts and the uh, and the, the the two deep safeties that they're playing on pretty much every play, um, or it'll be a, a much shorter season than I think most people expected from the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, we do have a game tonight, and um, we uh, we should hear from Coach Paul Maurice. Uh, we will be hearing 4 p.m. again. Chevrolet and Chipman Presser. We'll have that for you live on the YouTube channel. Uh, but Remus, if you can. Let's uh, fire up the coach, and we'll come back uh, with a few more of the uh, lines and the games for tonight's action before the top of the hour. Are we ready with uh, with Paul? Yeah, give me one. I want to set it up so you can hear it, but uh, oh, yes, okay. it is it is ready to go. We did spoke, speak at length. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, let's, let's just go. Yeah, here it is. I, I'm, trying to yeah, kill here it is. I'm trying to kill time to get it set up, but I'll just do it instead of stalling. I'll set I, it up I'm, for you. I'm very capable of doing that. I do that every day here. We can go through some of the line. You just tell me when it's ready. I'll let you know that with Eric Comrie starting in tonight's game as opposed to Connor Hellebuck, uh, the line in tonight's game has gone down a little bit. The Jets were originally, I think, in and around minus 130. Uh, it's now minus 112, so uh, much closer to a pick them a uh, couple other games tonight including calgary and nashville in calgary a late games devils in anaheim vancouver hosting the new york rangers and the buffalo sabers continue their run over the sharks uh, toronto hosting vegas uh the arizona coyotes my god are they bad they're in philly to take on the flyers who are back after being out west and the detroit red wings in Montreal to take on the Canadians, who, of course, I don't think we talked about this yesterday. Cole Caulfield, who was the favorite for the Calder Trophy going into this season, has been sent to the American Hockey League. Not the end of the world, everyone. Might actually be good for him. He'd been struggling so far this year. Anyways, back to the Jets. Before tonight's game, before we hear from Chevaldeoff and Chipman at 4 p.m., let's hear from Coach Paul Maurice on everything happening with his club and going with 7-11 and 11 and much more hosting Dallas tonight, opening up this homestand. Had a healthy baby uh, early, early this morning. Um, and uh, we're going to leave him with mom and his new baby for today and get him back, but it's all good. Comrie starts then? Correct. And Stasny, he wasn't open? Yeah, he's uh, no, no maintenance, just optional for certain aged members. <laughs> yes. Um, because I still like it and, and what we haven't been able to look at is so we put two forwards here with Mark and Blake that can also drop down uh, and take that extra and it's not as many minutes the concern is the load on the forwards right and and when you look at some numbers of just ice time alone Andrew Kopp into the 20s when you put two more guys in there I think I can shave that a little bit and I like it. I, I think the players that we have in our lineup can be the most impactful. I think I think Nathan has an impact in the game, especially what I think will be a physical game. There'll probably be some penalties, and I like what he does on the penalty kill. So he has a role with that. I also like the idea of being able to drop. I think probably there's probably five forwards, six forwards that I'll drop down into that. And they, so it's not that many minutes. But what we haven't seen yet, Ken, is a home schedule with these players so i'd like to run a few games and get a feel for how that the load on the forwards and, and can we play a can we play a high tempo game there's lots of guys there that they could you know 
even our biggest minute guy would say he'd like to play a couple minutes more. There's lots of minutes there. It's just a function of running the bench and how do you feel about your match at home? Are you getting what you want at home in terms of that match? So it's some of it, I just, I'd like to go through it more with these guys. Can you run that 40 or 80 games, Paul? I don't know. I think you have to have a certain... Uh, a certain kind of forward group to do it, fitness, but more maturity, physical maturity, guys that can handle those more minutes. So we, we might even be talking about, instead of saying the big minute guys like Kyle Connor and Mark and Blake, look what maybe that does for Adam Lowry, right? So if I can get that guy, or, or maybe, you know, 14 or 15, but it's also a way to get Nick Ehlers a few more minutes a game and still get him out for the most part in the hole that I want to get him out, right? If you, if you were, you look at Nicky's plus minus numbers and his goals for, and the only number that you may not like is his minutes. So if you start running those guys, that means changing their role, changing who they're playing against, right? So this might be a way I can get his minutes up and keep his role, get him out against, you know, you have other players play against the other team's best, and if you can get Kyle Connor or you can get Nick Ehlers out against not their number one set of D every once in a while because of it, but still keep them in a number one minute situation, that could be good for us. Paul? Yeah, well, well, both have really changed because we'll run any of those four defensemen that we have against the other team's best. So we, we would, we don't really have a defined, in any game we might, but not overall. Because do the you know if the other team's best line is all speed, then maybe we want our two best skating pair. If it's a big physical line, then it, it might be Dylan and Pionk in, in that match. The forward unit is kind of the same thing. It may not have a defined shutdown line, but we would have a line that we would expect that they could be able to and should be able to shut down and score. So with Lowry, Shifley, and Wheeler, we would expect that they should be because they do play against the other team's best the majority of the time, certainly on the road, if, if that's what the other coach wants. Um, and then I've got, you know, Andrew Kopp at center with Stas, and no, Nikolai isn't considered a defensive player, but his plus minus is really good. So you get two guys that, that are kind of built to play there. And Kyle Connor, and, 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 you know, that's a place that Dubois wants to go, wants to play against the other team's best, and Kyle's played against the other team's best. So it may not be, this is a line that only shuts down, but we should have, we should have you know, a 1 and a 1A that can go out depending on where the faceoffs are and all those things. Paul, your top nine is currently constructed. Maybe this is the deepest you've been able to kind of spread the wealth a bit. I don't. I don't know. It's the first time we've. Um, maybe it's more alike in that you would, depending on what happens with Svechnikov in terms of his offensive production, that that would that would answer that question. Because you now Brandon Tanev scoring an awful lot in Seattle this year, but uh, when you look at that line, that that nine, those three of that nine, that was a pretty defensive-minded line, but still that made for a pretty deep nine. Uh, and and young, and as they've gotten older now, we can probably spread that a little bit. So. You know, we've got some big numbers on guys right now, both Connor and uh, Dubois, offensive numbers, but. You know, Kyle or Andrew Kopp's numbers are big right now too, and that would be a guy that we wouldn't have put in that you know, two, three years ago. You know, he wasn't a point of gamer. Look at the defensive impact of, of forwards. I guess when you're talking in a matchup role, how they play in their own end is the most important. Mm-hmm. 
but how does the factor like a Nick Ehlers who his impact is probably just transitioning so well you're in your hand less factor into those defensive roles? Yeah, I, I, I would go back and say that how they play in their own end may not be the priority, not is not primary. Because scoring goals in a purely D zone coverage offensive zone situation is very, very difficult to do. Right? A lot of it is off the rush, the chaos that comes off the rush, so it's related to your rush defense. So how much they hang on to the puck in the offensive zone, right? And how they turn the puck over, because every you know the change of possession happens all the time, how that puck turnover happens probably has a bigger impact on whether I think it is a good uh, defensive line or not by the time they've got to our end and I've decided I don't like that line in our end it's usually I don't like the centerman and usually he wouldn't be playing center much longer right like all of these guys that are playing center right now can play low so then you're looking at how adept your wingers are at finding their defensemen those kind of things like those are those are smaller things. It's Nicky's strength has never been his play on the wall in our end. It's the you're right. The the puck is in their end more, right? He'll spend more time in the offensive zone. So um, it's it's all the centermen can play low. I'm making a big inference. So I don't want it to not be what you said, but I, would that be fair to say that maybe Nick's places for turnovers, being maybe a high risk, flashier guy that he is. Um, are a little bit more dangerous coming the other way? No, uh, I, don't, I don't feel that he is. When he's on, the opposite is true, right? I, I think Nick's been a pretty good de facto defensive player because he doesn't put himself in a position in the lines that he's played within the match. He's played to not get hurt by any of them. He, he doesn't... Nicky, I don't find Nicky to be a high turnover rate guy at all in, in our group. He'll, he'll do it every once in a while, and he knows. But I also need him to turn the puck over sometimes. Like, if Dickey went out and played a perfect game and never took the puck over, that wouldn't be any good for the Winnipeg Jets, right? There was a stretch, I can't remember, a couple of years ago, right? The, the top six teams for not turning the puck in the neutral zone over. So they got the puck in but on the ball every time. They, they were, none of them were in the playoffs. But you, you have to make some plays, right? If you dump the puck all night long, and you know from your analytics, right, zone entries, zone denials, exits on zone entries, those are all really important performance indicators. If you're dumping the puck all night and you're not getting it back, you're not getting much done. What was the latest on Sandberg? Yes, and that's the latest. He's on the ice skating. He's strong enough with that injury that he can wear a gold, so we don't worry about him. We put him in the drills now, just non-contact, so he's in charge of his own skating, tight turns, all those things. He, he, he can do those things, so now it's just getting stronger enough until he feels he can take a hit. I know it's his first day joining the team, but have you been skating for a few days already? Yeah, so we'd skate him. Charlie skated him the day before when we were in town. Yeah. All right, there's Coach Maurice uh, ahead of tonight's 7 p.m. puck drop against the Dallas Stars. Uh, just at the end, referring to uh, Dylan Sandberg out in the no-contact jersey. He, of course, injured in training camp. The first time we've seen him back on the ice, just alluded to that he'd been getting some extra skating with some of the coaches in the meantime. Uh, presumably they'll get him to a spot where he's ready to play, and then he'll be with the Manitoba Moose getting some ice time, probably hopefully playing some big minutes, um, and available if the call is made at some point over the course of the season. The other thing, Remus, I thought that was really interesting, and it was a great question by Kelly Moore, you know, alluding to how the top nine with the present um, configuration does not really have... um, 
like a Lowry in the middle checking shutdown line. And um, I thought that was a pretty interesting back and forth with the media and the coach about the way this looks and how he might utilize his club. You know, say they're defending a one goal lead in the final five minutes of the game. Who gets leaned on or throughout it? If there's one line that's really doing a lot of damage, what line he puts up against the top line on the Dallas Stars? Yeah, it's an interesting strategy. We haven't seen it. They've always had a quote-unquote shutdown line with Lowry in the middle. Um, I think if you have three pretty good lines, you know, it doesn't matter which one. I don't know. They have have three top lines. Will it stay like this? Will he just be tempted to go back to Connor Shafley Wheeler if they ever get down? I think Stop it's always... reading the chat so much. Yeah, no, I, know, I, I know there's I a lot of people that that's happening. Second period, over under on how many shifts before they they're, go back. I, at- I personally think they're going to give this... <laughs> Uh, a a good look for a while right now and not just go back to the way things were after one period. Although yeah, ask no, me after I, the first period, if it goes really badly for the Winnipeg Jets, it's certainly not off the table. I like to joke about that. There were some people joking in chat that, okay, that means now that Shifley and Wheeler are gone if they're playing with Lowry because that seems to be what happens with his line mates. Uh, Appleton, Armia... <laughs> well, there's Cop, no expansion draft there. anytime Cop, soon. Cop's still there. He's still there. But uh, I thought that was a funny one as well. So, yeah, we'll see if this works. I think the defense, too, penalty killing. We'll have Ryan's special team is the power play. Uh, you know, Nikolai Ehlers, is he going to get on the board? Uh, I don't know if you've looked at the scoring props for him, Hus, but he's always. I think he's always a threat. So um, I think this will be a good one. A nice central division battle. You, you, we do miss these games. We had a great one with Minnesota. I don't know if it'll have that same intensity. That Minnesota one, that might be the game of the year. Uh, I don't uh, know. It it's going to be tough one. to replicate. It didn't. It, didn't, it, didn't, <laughs> it no. was an absolutely bananas game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, BA has a good point, though. With the way that the li- the lines are shipped up, I mean, tough for other teams. Yes. I mean, who do you put your checking line out on against right now? I would argue it's probably uh, Dubois and Connor right now. Um, but again, then you've got Ehlers on another line and then you've got Shifley on another line. So I think a lot of us have wanted to see what it'll look like this mm-hmm. would be. And, uh, we'll get an opportunity to do that, um, this afternoon or this evening. Uh, but, but of course, before then, wa- just about one hour from now, Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman will be speaking to the media. We are going to uh, get out so we can get the initial podcast up, but we will be back here at 4 PM. So, um, if you would like, uh, come back and join us. We do want to have it so it's on the channel afterwards so people can get it if they miss it live today. Um, but certainly you can pop in your thoughts at the in the chat as you hear it, as you can always do. Or you can give us any feedback, which we can discuss on tomorrow's program on all our social media channels at Sports Talk WPG. Hey, Remo, one other question just about this Dallas game before we finish up. And I made allusion to it yesterday. There was a lot of people talking about Patrick Line and the success that he had against the Dallas Stars. And before that, if you recall, it was Joel Armia, who like half of his goals and some of the most beautiful goals he's ever scored in his career always happened against the Dallas Stars. So it was two fins. I mean, I was thinking that maybe it'd be Veselinen that would then, you know, turn into, he would carry the torch of Finnish guys on the Winnipeg Jets tormenting the Dallas Stars. Of course, Veselainen, a bit of a victim of numbers, uh, signed to the Moose today with the recall of Mikhail Burden. Don't expect that to be long-term. Um, but I guess someone someone on the Winnipeg Jets has the opportunity to be that guy 
that comes up big against the Dallas Stars. And uh, obviously, they'll have the first chance tonight as uh, the Jets see their division rivals for the first time in two years. Yeah, when we were talking with Gavin Spittle uh, earlier, about uh, what 25 minutes into the show, if you're uh, if you just tuned in, people were saying Tyler Sagan. He used to uh, put a lot put up a lot of points against the Jets, and I took the time. I looked it up. 40 games, 24 goals, 21 assists, 45 points for Tyler Sagan. But how about someone said, how about Mark Shifley? He scored a lot of points against Dallas, and I look, took the time. Thank you, Hockey Reference. He had uh, 29 games, 16 goals, 18 assists, 34 points. So the two guys who are known for doing the rock, paper, scissors on the way off after warm-up, dueling. And I've seen them do it. I've seen them, them do it uh, at the warm-up if you're there. So I don't know if they'll do it tonight. Maybe they will. Does Tyler Sagan still still do that, even though he's not like the alpha dog on his team, or is he more worried about uh, coming back from his uh, serious surgery that he spent uh, all of what most no, of no, the no. last he's season? No, no, he's way more worried about rock paper scissors for sure. For sure, I think he should I would, be focused would, on <laughs> rock paper scissors. Imagine for it tonight. Uh, hey, you guys were asking about the props for it tonight. Let's just see. Kyle Connor to score plus one thirty. I was plus one fifty five in the last game. Shifley and Ehlers, two to one. Pavelski and Rupi Hintz, plus 220, plus 230. Got to go down. Pierre-Luc Dubois was in the threes. He's come down a bit. He's been so hot, plus 280. Andrew Kopp, three to one. Uh, look at Adam Lowry, plus 350. Let me playing with Shife and Wheeler. You uh, you never know. What are, where is, is Blake Wheeler on this list? Do they have Wheeler listed? I don't believe they do. No, he's not um, on. So he didn't get it. Player points. Uh, Connor minus 182, Ehlers minus 147. Uh, all the list, it's all there at coolbet.com. And if you did want to take a bit of a swing, like I did last week on Ehlers to get two goals in that Ducks game, uh, Connor eight to one for two goals in the game, Ehlers 11 to one, and Pierre Luc Dubois 11 to one as well. And if you think there might be a hat trick, we talked about somebody haunting the, uh, the stars. Kyle Connor twenty nine to one. He was thirty nine to one to get the hats out uh, and a legitimate hat trick, not two goals. It actually has to be three <laughs> goals. It's not the two trick like we saw in the home opener. That's for sure. Uh, that that yeah. Any giveaways tonight? Do we know if there's a if there's a giveaway? I don't have the promo uh, schedule, but if there, but yes, uh, that was not a real hat trick, even though hats were thrown on the ice. No doubt about it. All right, folks, listen, thanks so much for being with us again. One hour from now, we'll get the YouTube channel back up and we'll carry the Shovel Day Off and Chipman um, press conference live. Uh, I'll be at the game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. with full reaction from what we hear from Shovel Day Off and Chipman this afternoon, as well as tonight's 7 p.m. game between the Winnipeg Jets and the Dallas Stars. As always, thanks to Cool Bet Canada, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, and Culligan Water for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hit that like button if you haven't already. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. And if you're with us live on YouTube now, come back in an hour when we will stream live. Kevin Shibboldayoff and Mark Chipman speaking from Canada Life Center. On behalf of Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks for being with us, and we will be back tomorrow with another full episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk with reaction to the game and today's press conference with Greg Wyshynski of ESPN and Murata Tesh of The Athletic. Have a great night, everyone. Enjoy the game, and if you're able to, pop back and see us in an hour for live coverage of the press conference.
Oh my oh. god! Oh. Shut it down! Oh Let's go! Home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.